A reading from Walden Published Day, <laughs> right in the middle of 1854, in the journals of Henry David Thoreau. He, on August 12th, they published Walden. <laughs> so we're starting from the middle of uh, 1854 and continuing. August 7th, it is inspiring, inspiriting, inspiring, at last to hear the wind whistle and moan about my attic after so much trivial summer weather and to feel cool in my thin pants. <laughs> I guess he was maybe warm in his attic in the summer and it cooled off. <laughs> Remember, it said that uh, on um, August 2nd, he'd gotten a specimen copy of my Walden. It is to be published on the 12th. September 6, 9 p.m. There is now approaching from the west one of the heaviest thunder showers, apparently. And with the most incessant flashes that I remember to have seen, it must be twenty miles off at least, for I can hardly hear the thunder at all. The most incessant flashes reveal the form of the cloud, at least the upper and lower edge of it, but it stretches north and south along the horizon further than we see. Every minute I see the crickled crinkled lightning, intensely bright, dart to earth or forkedly along the cloud. It does not always dart direct to earth. I saw somewhere on the internet they had, they were doing a extremely slowed down, like slow motion lightning strike. Now how hard it is to get like a, just a photo of a lightning strike or something. But somebody had a, a very slow motion lightning strike. Mm -hmm. The dart direct to earth, but sometimes very crookedly, like the bow of a tree. What do you think the angle is of a lightning strike if it's crooked? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a good question. That, do you think we should ask that question? Like the bough of a tree, or along the cloud forkedly, the forked thunderbolt of the poets. Now we're talking about the forked thunderbolt of the poets. Do you think poets have basically thunderbolts in their head? Are they forked? It seems like a tremendous dark battery bearing down on us with an incessant fire kept up behind it. And each time, apparently, it strikes the earth or something on it with terrific violence. Uh -huh. We feel the rush of the cool wind while the thunder is yet scarcely audible, the flashes are, in fact, incessant for an hour or more, the lighting up in different parts of the horizon, 
Now the edges of the cloud, now far beyond, uh, along the horizon. Slowing, showing a clearer golden space beneath the cloud where rain is falling through, not thorough, but through, which dream torturously on earth the brilliant bolts. <laughs> Do you think it's like a brilliant bolt to write a poem? <laughs> It is a visible striking or launching of bolts on the devoted villages. It crinkles through the clear yellow portion beneath the cloud, where it rains like fiery snakes or worms, like veins in the eye. At first, it was a small and very distant cloud in the southwestern horizon, revealed by its own flashes. Its rugged upper outline and its whole form revealed by the flashes and no thunder heard. Do you think you could see uh, like a thunderbolt, like the farther away it is, the more you can in a way see it? It seemed like a ship firing broadsides, but it gradually advanced and extended itself and united with others north and south along the horizon and the thunder began to be heard and the wind came etc at last came the rain but not heavy nor thunder loud but the flashes were visible all around us have you ever seen a thunderstorm like that no you got to go out west uh, if we go out west, uh, even Ohio has it. We'll have to go to Wyoming, I guess. <laughs> September 8, the grapes would not, no doubt, be riper at a week hence. But I am compelled to go now, for the vines are stripped. You see, I... What's an example of that? Oh. You have to go pick the grapes or the berries before someone else does. Uh -huh. So that kind of compels you. That's like how I will pick the peaches off the tree out of fear that they'll be stripped. <laughs> so I am compelled to pick the peaches early. I am compelled to go now before the vines are stripped. I partly smell them out. I pluck splendid great bunches of the purple ones with a rich bloom on them and the purple glowing through it like a fire. Large red ones also with light dots and some clear green. Sometimes I crawl under low and thick bowers. Bowers where they have run over the alders only four or five feet high and see the grapes hanging from a hollow hemisphere of leaves over my head. At other times I see them dark purple and or black against the silvery undersides of the leaves high overhead where they have run over birches or maples and either climb or pull them down to pluck them. 
The witch hazel on dwarf sumach hill looks as if it would begin to blossom in a day or two. I have brought home a half bushel of grapes. Uh, is that a lot, a half a bushel? It's a pretty good amount. A bushel's pretty big. I brought home a half bushel of grapes to scent my chamber with. It is impossible to get them home in a basket with all that rich bloom on them, which no less than the form of the clusters makes their beauty. As I paddled home with my basket of grapes in the bow, here he took his canoe <laughs> or boat. As I paddled home with my basket of grapes in the bow, every now and then the perfume was wafted to me in the stern, and I thought that I was passing a richly laden vine on shore. Some goldfinches twitter over. There we have twitter. In the we're in the age of Twitter, uh -huh. the goldfinch Twitter. Some golden goldfinches Twitter over while I am pulling down the vines from the birch tops, the ripest rattle off and strew the ground before I reach the clusters. And while I am standing on tiptoe and endeavoring gently to break the tough peduncle, that must be a grape word, P-E-D-U-N-C-L-E, -E, peduncle. The petiole, P-E-T-I-O-L-E, of a leaf gets entangled in the bunch, and I'm compelled to strip them all off loosely. Hmm. That's about picking grapes. <laughs> September 12th. A sprinkling drove me back for an umbrella. That's it? Dude, that's all he entered. That's like my uh, journal. A sprinkling drove me back for an umbrella. End of entry. <laughs> September 24th. Man identifies himself with earth or the material just as he who has the least tinge of African blood in his veins regards himself as a Negro and is identified with that race. Spirit is strange to him. He is afraid of ghosts. Do you think we're identified with the physical body? Like the Negro? I want to know. Are you a physical body? Man identifies himself with earth. <laughs> no, I'm saying that we identify with our physical body, and the spirit is strange to him. I'm identified with a white body. So what's the question? The question is, am I the physical body or am I a spirit? I'm identified with having no brain. <laughs> I'm identified with the physical body completely in the reading of this book. Uh -huh. all, I, all I am is, is a speaking physical body. September 24th. Man identifies himself with earth or the material just as he who has the least tinge of African blood in his veins regards himself as a Negro and is identified with that race. 
Spirit is strange to him. He is afraid of ghost. PM by boat to Grape Cliff. These are the straight stages in the river fall. First, the two varieties of yellow yellow lily pads begin to decay and blacken long ago. Second, the first fall rains come after dog days and raise and cool the river and winds wash the decaying sparganium S P A R. G-A-N-I-U-M. See, he knows far more English than us because they were far more erudite and educated in 1854 and us in the modern age are retarded, basically. Etc., etc., to the shores and clear the channel more or less. Third, when the first harder frosts come, as this year, the 21st and 22nd, Button bushes, which before had attained only a dull mixed yellow, are suddenly bitten, wither, and turn brown, all but the protected parts. The first fall is so gradual as not to make much impression, but the last suddenly and conspicuously gives a fall aspect to the scenery of the river. The button bushes, thus withered, covered still with the gray, already withered, Macania, my goodness, M-I-K-A-N-I-A, withered Macania. Suddenly paint with a rich brown the river's brim. It is like the crust, the edging, of a boy's turnover done brown. And the black willows, slightly faded and crisp with age or heat, enhance my sense of the year's maturity. There, where the land appears to lap over the water by a mere edging, these thinner portions are first done brown. I float over the still liquid middle. That was... Uh, September 24th on the river, apparently. October 7th. He hasn't even mentioned Walden. He published Walden, and he's still talking about the withered Mechania. October 7th. Went to Plymouth to lecture and survey Watson's Marston Watson, a friend of Thoreau's grounds. He's going to survey the grounds. Return the 15th. So he just went to work. <laughs> November 20th. Started for Philadelphia. From foot of Liberty Street at 6 p.m. via Newark, etc., etc. Bordentown, etc. Camden, ferry to Philadelphia, all in the dark. Saw only the glossy paneling of the cars reflected out into the dark like the magnificent lit facade of a row of edifices reaching all the way to Philadelphia. Except when we stopped and a lanthorn or two showed us a ragged boy and the dark buildings of some New Jersey town. 
Arrive at 10 p.m. time, four hours from New York, 13 from Boston, 15 from Concord. Put up at Jones's Exchange Hotel, 77 Dock Street, Lodges. Why do you have to go to New Jersey to get to Philadelphia? To get to Philadelphia? Dear, he went by ferry. You, you, I don't know if he had stops, but see, he goes four hours from New York, 13 from Boston, 15 from Concord. I don't know, dear, that's how they traveled. Oh, by ferry, I didn't, I didn't. It said Camden Ferry to Philadelphia. Okay. You know, a ferry, a boat is a smoother ride back then than, than, uh, whatever, horseback. <laughs> Or, or it may be cheaper than train. Who knows? So. Lodgings are thirty-seven and a half cents. I've never seen a half cent. My dream is to see a half cent. Do you think we could find a half penny? I'm gonna have to look up half pennies. <laughs> It would be so valuable to have a half penny. Lodgings, 37 and a half cents per night. Meals separate, not to be named with Frenches in New York. Next door to the fair of the Franklin Institute. You know, they have a... I didn't know if the Franklin Institute was founded. That is the Benjamin Franklin, uh, like a science center. Then open and over against against the exchange in the neighborhood of the printing offices. Now there's the printing offices. I don't know where his Walden was printed. Well, we'll find out maybe. Looked November twenty one, looked from the cupola of the State House, where the Declaration of Independence was declared. You ever been there? Mm-hmm. You ever been to right. Philadelphia. Why don't we take a trip to Philadelphia? Uh-huh. That's our plan. We're going to go to Philadelphia. Uh-huh. We'll go to Philadelphia. They have a magnificent, big art museum, and they have the uh, the other, that new one with the modern art. And, and we can go see Franklin Institute and see the Declaration of Independence. The best view of the city I got I was interested in, the squirrels. That would be a good thing to do for a trip for us. We could stay overnight. <laughs> was interested in the squirrels. But him, look at him. He's interested in squirrels. Gray and black and in Independence and Washington Squares. Here he is in Washington, Philadelphia, and he's looking at the squirrels. Heard that they have and have had deer in Logan Square. The squirrels are fed and live in boxes in the trees in the winter. Fine view from Fairmont Waterworks. The line of the hypotenuse of the gable end of Girard College was apparently deflected in the middle six inches or more reminding me of the antidote of the Church of the Madeleine in Paris. Hmm. 
December 8th. Winter has come unnoticed by me. I have been so busy writing. This is the life most led in respect to nature. How different from my habitual one. It is hasty, coarse and trivial, as if you were a spindle in a factory. The other is leisurely, fine and glorious like a flower. In the first case, you are merely getting your living. In the second, you live as you go along. You travel only on roads of the proper grade, without jar or running off the track, and sweep round the hills by beautiful curves. December 14th. Good sleighing still, with but little snow. Is that like a sled, or is that pulled by a horse, I wonder? Sleighing. They used to have a sled that's pulled by a horse. Or... Good sleighing still, but with but little snow, a warm thawing day. The river is open almost its whole length. It is a beautifully smooth mirror within an icy frame. It is well to improve such a time to walk by it. This strip of water of irregular width over the channel between broad fields of ice looks like a polished silver mirror or like another surface of polished ice, and often is distinguished from the surrounding ice only by its reflections. I have rarely seen any reflections of weeds, willows, and elms, and the houses of the village so distinct, the stems so black and distinct, for they contrast not with a green meadow, but with clear white ice to say nothing of the silvery surface of the water. Your eye slides first over a plain surface of smooth ice of one color to a water surface of silvery smoothness like a gem, gem set in ice and reflecting the weeds and trees and houses and clouds with singular beauty. The reflections are particularly simple and distinct. These twigs are not referred to and confounded with the broad green meadow from which they spring as in summer, but instead of that dark green ground absorbing the light is thus abrupt white field of, is this abrupt white field of ice. We see so little open and smooth water at this season that I am inclined to improve such an opportunity to walk along the river. <laughs> and moreover, the meadows, being more or less frozen, make it more feasible than in summer. Hmm. December 21, what a groveling appetite for profitless jest and amusement our countrymen have. Next to a good dinner, at least they love a good joke. 
to have their sides tickled and to laugh sociably as in the East they bathe and are shampooed. Curators of Lyceums write to me. Dear sir, I hear that you have a lecture of some humor. Will you do us the favor to read it before the Bungtown Institute? Question mark. End of uh, 1854. No mention, oddly, of Walden. And there weren't any snoring frogs in this reading. Huh? And we didn't find the snoring frogs that they had mentioned. So, so we read about the interesting forked thunderbolt of the poets from the thunder and how, how he picked grapes, a half bushel of grapes, and he went to Philadelphia. And we're excited about going to take a trip to Philadelphia. It's so manageable. It's, it's a good uh, weekend trip. <laughs> You could be there. Take the ferry. We could take the ferry to Philadelphia. Maybe. Yeah, we'll take the water taxi. We can take. Don't they have a high speed train? I don't know if they go. You know, we can go high speed train to Boston or Washington, D.C. All right, so that ends. 1854, the second half of 1854, and Walden was published, but he doesn't really mention anything about it here. Maybe it's waiting for feedback, maybe the next year. But he seems happy. Any comment? When did he go? I told you he went to Philadelphia. Where? Where? In Pennsylvania. <laughs> he went to, he visited, may have visited the Franklin Institute. He went to Jones Exchange Hotel. He went to the State House and saw the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> but he just looked at the squirrels and I don't know. I don't think he thought much of it. 